This is Radio Free Pro Wrestling, the home of smart and stunning wrestling takes. With your hosts, Sean and Ashley, the wrestling hour is upon us. Well, happy Halloween Eve, all you goblins and ghouls. Welcome to this episode of Radio Free Professional Wrestling. I am Sean, and I'm with my co-host, Ashley. As we catch you up on the past week of professional wrestling and get you ready for the WWE's yearly visit to Saudi Arabia as we preview Crown Jewel this week. Ashley, is there one match on this Crown Jewel card that you're looking forward to? Well, I can't say I'm not looking forward to LA Knight and Roman. Well, you know, coming off that Friday night episode of SmackDown, LA Knight did get the other hand going into this week. That got me worried. Is LA Knight going to take the pin at Saudi Arabia at Crown Jewel. I'm afraid so. I think he's going to. I think it's still going to be a good match regardless, though. I think they're both very good. So either way, it's going to be an entertaining match. You know what? This is one of the best top-to-bottom Crown Jewel cards they have put together. And given the fact that it's in Saudi Arabia, and we will go ahead and mention that we know all the human rights violations and stuff with Saudi Arabia, and I honestly was one of the people from day one that wished they never did this, partnership with Saudi Arabia, but I don't hold it against the wrestlers, so we're going to preview this card. Well, so Okay, Ashley, we are going to the Control Center to catch you up on the week of wrestling news. This is your Radio Free Pro Wrestling Control Center. All the wrestling news you need to know. And Ashley, my first stunning story to you. It came to a shot to me, but over the weekend... Ronda Wrestling made her first any wrestling appearance at Lucia Badalvin event at the Mayan Theater in Los Angeles, California, and she partnered up with her longtime friend, Brandon Shafir, and they took on Tala Bakary and Brian Kindred. So now we also learned that Ronda Wrestling is doing a revolver wrestling event coming up in December. Are you surprised that Ronda Wrestling is on the independent scene now? Very. It kind of seemed to happen without much fanfare. Just poof, there she was on the indies. I think it's kind of crazy that she's she's doing these shows. I got a feeling that she just wants to partner up with Marisha Shafir and maybe just hit a couple of dates here and there just to keep herself in rational shape. I don't know if she would go to AEW, but with all this talent with like Marisha Shafir, her partner up with, she works for AEW, Tyler Battery, AEW. And the promotion that she's going to visit next is Sammy Callahan, who's reportedly in talks with AEW. So it seems like there's a lot of AEW flying around Ron Rasley. Yeah, a lot of connections. I did see some people say they would thought maybe the asking price would be a bit too much. But AEW has had big names come in for just like a storyline or a one-off here and there. So I could see her coming in for, you know, even something short-term. I could too. And, you know, they're in their TV negotiation season. So... I feel like if you have a chance to spend just a little bit extra money to bring Ronda Rousey in for like four to six months, why not? Yeah, I could see even maybe TBS and RTNT getting behind that decision and maybe helping them out. Yeah, I could see December Time Water cop up just a little bit of money for maybe the baddest woman on the planet, question mark. So I'm going to my second stunning story for you. And actually, you gave me this one as the date for ROH Final Battle has been announced. It's going to be December the 15th, and the coolest thing is, if you're a member of Honor Club, you're getting this one for free. 
is we'll be your membership to Honor Club. Yeah, this is great news for people who are subscribed. Um, getting the pay-per-view for basically 10 bucks this month. Kind of a nice reprieve because uh, we have quite a few AEW pay-per-views and yet another one coming. So, Well, you know, this led me into my next story. Is, oh, by the way, De- mark your calendar. December the 30th, World's End, the first December pay-per-view for AEW. So Tony Khan is giving us one gift in the fact that Final Battle is going to be basically free if you have a membership to our club, but he's only get 50 bucks for another pay-per-view at the end of the year. Yeah, adding yet another one. This is this quite quite a lot at the end of the year here. I know. I, this basically gets me to think that coming into 2024, they may be going to basically a monthly pay-per-view system. How do you feel about that, Ashley? I really enjoyed the every three-month format just because it gave things a little more time to build up but i mean i guess you know you can't they're doing it for money reasons so it's going to kind of overpower anything that we're we're thinking about you know you know i agree with you i enjoyed the quarterly pay-per-views from AEW. i thought that was a nice system to start with it kind of threw me back to the early days of wcw where they would only do six or eight pay-per-views a year and to me six to eight is the billy lots level where you should be for a major company i feel like 12 might be just a little bit overkill but six to eight if you hit it just right you have enough time to develop your storylines get the fans invested into the stories and you're not like oh hey here's a random fairway here's a new pay-per-view here's basically more dollars coming out of our pockets yeah i thought the the big you know the four they had with like forbidden door and the addition of all in was like perfect that was fine and now we've added this world's end, I mean, I don't know. We'll have to see where it goes. Hopefully, I'm hoping this means Tony Khan has something kind of set up in the way of either like a streaming deal or something because it's going to rack up for fans. True. Now, this one is going to be in Long Island, New York. Since I heard that, Ashley, I was going like, you guys are there for Arthur Ash Stadium. Why not have the event at Arthur Ash be a pay-per-view instead of having one in December? Maybe they just want to keep it for Grand Slam. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either, but I thought maybe it'd be nice to have one of those events be just a little bit different. But here we are. We're going to have a probably awesome card at the end of the year to watch from AEW. So get ready and budget your money during Christmas season, buddy. Yeah, I've already seen the speculation because um, compete clauses will be up by then. I think that's the reason why December 30th was picked because most of those non-complete clauses ends either like December the 27th or the 27th. So there may be a Dolph Ziggler in our future. I think it's kind of getting hinted at already a little bit. Heavy Ryan Nemes presence lately. Yeah, you know, he kind of showed up a collision Saturday with like, oh, there's Ryan Nemeth. And boy, I felt sorry for him when he knocked on the door and it was Mira. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're moving on to our next news story. As John Mosley had an interview with the messenger, and in this interview, he was talking about what he would like to see in like wrestling when it comes to concussions, like having a third party independent person there who doesn't have anything to do with the promotion or the booking of the match. If something happens during that match, that person should be able to throw a red flag or like, we need to end this now. And that should be the end of it. No questions asked. And I feel the same way with John Mosley, because if you remember, he had a concussion during that match with Phoenix. And you could tell that he was out of it after that first like Paul driver that Phoenix gave him. 
and the referee missed the three count. Then Phoenix picked him up again and hit him with another pile driver. I feel like if they had this person there watching the film, seeing Moxley not in the greatest shape, go, hey, we need to cut this. Let's go to the finish, get him out of the ring. I think that'd be the best for all professional wrestling programs. Moxley is absolutely correct. The more precautions, the better. AEW has already had a couple of big scares as well. Like the Matt Hardy incident comes to mind. There was an incident with Alex Reynolds a few years back. Um, and even Hangman's concussion um, in the match with Moxley a couple of months ago. Which I wanted to bring up because ironically, Mox was the one who stopped the match because he recognized it. They need to get better with this. It's it's not a joke. I'm not exactly sure why Mike Knox allowed that to continue. Yeah, no, that's still the $64 million question. And I just want to side on maybe he just didn't realize in the heat of the moment what was going on. And that wasn't the planned finish. And it took him a second to realize, like, we're going to, like, plan B. Yeah, I guess you got to make that decision. You know, he didn't, he didn't kick out. You just got to count it. Well, say on AEW news here, we have learned Saturday evening that Brian Downson has a broken oral bone. Apparently, it either happened due to an orange punch or a rainmaker during that amazing tag team match on Dynamite. And we want to wish Daniel Bryson the best in his recovery. It looks like he's going to be re- out for the rest of 2023. But we got one heck of a promo for Claudio Casanoli. It reminded me of Leslie Nielsen. Like, he's a man with a certain set of skills, and he's out for revenge. Yeah, this is like the worst news of 2023 in the professional wrestling world. It's up there anyway. Off right in the middle of this run. Again in a match with Okada too, so this seems to be like some sort of curse. <laughs> I'm I'm glad they kind of seem to already have like some sort of projection on when he'll be back though, which is hopefully they already know the, you know, like how, how bad it is then. But you're absolutely correct. Claudio killed that promo and I wouldn't be mad if we saw a change of pace and had Claudio win this belt and take that belt to Japan to defend against Okada. Oh, that would be so good, Ashley. That would be the direction I would go with it. I know Orange Cassidy has got this back. You can turn this, like, chicken you-know-what into, like, chicken salad here, and we can have Claudio Casanelli versus Okada at the Tokyo Dome January the 4th. <laughs> Sign me up, please. Yeah, a great way to have you know, AEW represented in Japan. Orange Cassidy getting that belt back was kind of just out of circumstance. I don't think there was a real plan for him. So I think you can you could turn this into a really great story. I think so too. And it's just crazy. I mean, I felt kind of bad when I found this information out. Because if you've been last week on this podcast, I was wishing for a Will Ospreay and Brian Delson match before the end of 2023. Actually, did I, Jesus? <laughs> oh. No, it's just bad luck. I'm hoping we still get one because there have been um, some rumors on Osprey's future that have been circulating the past couple of days. Well, before we leave the control center, let's just talk about this for a second. As it's been rumored, I heard like two different ways here. I heard that he's on his way to sign with AEW after his contract is up with New Japan for wrestling. But also, he's hired one of the best agents in North America, the same agents that handled the contracts for the Young Bucks, Omega. So I feel like he's going to cash in here to get the big 
contract that he can get because he's he's going around that corner with 30 to like 31 early 30s. This might be his last big contract if he wants to get out, save around his 40s. He should get as much as he can. He has more than earned it with this showing the past year. Now, I also heard rumors that he's taking offers from the WWE, which, I mean, look, if I was Osprey, I'd be taking offers from everybody just to see what's on the table because I had one of the best years of my life. So, yeah, let me see all the cards on the table before I make a decision. Absolutely. Look at everything, anything and everything to see what's out there. But if I was a betting person, Ashley, I would say he's probably either signed with AEW or Impact. That way, he can still do the New Japan dates and dates in the UK and keep his kind of like schedule way it is. He just have to move his family over to the States. He can stay in the UK and just do his own thing like he's been doing. If he signs with the WWE, that entails a lot more on him personally because he's going to have to do a lot of movies and stuff. True. I know he has said he would like to stay there. Um, I have seen him say that in interviews and stuff. I personally agree. I think he'd be more inclined to lean toward AEW or Impact. The you know with the show he may have had and the in the recent like reinvigorated interest in them. But like I said, I think even a few months ago, I think like even the all in was like a big trying to butter him up to to try to sway him. True. I feel like that. Oh hi, we're having the, our biggest event in your home country. I know you don't work for us, but hey, here's the match for you. <laughs> yeah, and the big moment in front of everybody with this theme. So it's not obviously a done deal, and and he could still end up anywhere, but I, I think there's mutual interest at least. So I do believe so. I feel like this is going to be the most beneficial contract for Will Osprey. I feel like this guy deserves whatever he's going to get, and I'm going to be happy for wherever he's going to be because I know I'm going to watch Yes. Okay, so that has been your Control Center for October the 30th, 2023 here on Radio Free Pro Wrestling. Let's go ahead. We'll go over to our stunning six questions this week. Time to ring the bell. As Sean and Ashley debate six stunning questions from the week of wrestling. All the whys and what the hell was that? And my first stunning question for you, Ashley. We just saw one of the best TV matches of the year as we saw Kenny Omega versus MJF for the AEW World Title on Collision on three days' notice. Should this have been built up better? Is there somebody in AEW that dropped the ball? I can't say that I think that. I kind of like the idea of him still having big-time matches for the belt that aren't necessarily more rooted in a storyline. He has... About four or five storylines going at the moment with the Bullet Club and Samoa Joe and all sorts of stuff going on. I know not everybody watches it, but I do watch BTE. And they've been sort of hinting at it through BTE, and it's why the the little countdowns have, you know, the, the 14 days bitch in, you know, has been going on. Inherently, wrestling is, that is the storyline. Who's who's the better man? Who's the, who wants to be the champion, you know? <laughs> like... I understand why some people are upset. Those are two of the biggest guys in AEW, but I they'll be back there again. You know, part of me feels like there's somebody back there in statistics at AEW who crunched the numbers and went up to Tony and went, um, Tony, MJF is about ready to pass Omega for most days as AEW World Champion. Would he like to do something here? And Tony looked at the person and went, 
hey, you know what? Collision, Saturday night, uh, these two guys together, title match, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's probably more than likely what happened. That's kind of like uh, a few years ago when Sheeta had 50 wins. It was kind of like a, they scrubbed a dark match because they realized her her 50th win came on a dark match, so they scrubbed it, never aired it, and then had her 50th quote-unquote match on Dynamite. Well, you know what? I'm not dis- disappointed because that match was so freaking good on Saturday night. If you haven't seen it, go back, watch Collision. It was just freaking amazing. It was, what, about 28 minutes of wrestling action there? Yeah, I think they started getting ready for that match at like 9.25 or so. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely be talking about that match a little later on. <laughs> well, if you're going to bet that match might be in the top five list, you might win some money this week. Let me tell you. Okay, so I'm going to my second stunning question. And my second stunning question for you. Is there a place for matches like we saw on Collision where it was Cheetah versus Abaddon and it was like a Halloween-themed match in 2023? I don't know. I don't think it really does anything for anybody. It wasn't really much of anything. It was kind of just decorations on the ring and they just used weapons. It was just like a street fight. I don't know. It seems kind of like just a a gimmick they do with Abaddon when they bring her out this almost like once a year around Halloween to have a match. I'm not personally the biggest fan of it. I don't know how how anybody else feels about it. I don't know if it gets like better reactions. I don't know. Okay, so let me go with, with it this direction, Ashley. We just had Halloween Habit for NST on Tuesday night. And we had like a a street fight. We had a lights out match. Finally, because it was Halloween Habit, you know, you, you know what you're getting. The thing with the Sheeta and Abaddon match was when Sheeta climbed the top rope and jumped off of the broom, I went, I feel sorry for Sheeta. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird to have her do that when I feel like... She- it was a little bit of a struggle, like especially because I think the Ruby match this week was a little clunky. So I think trying to come back with that match was kind of a little off-putting. In a way, I agree with you, Ashley. Here's another example I can toss to you. I watched Hey AEW this morning where Julia Hart was on there with RJ City. I love that. If you're going to do a Halloween thing kind of thing for your show, that as like a vignette on Collision for like 10 minutes, yeah, sign me up. That would have been a better use of that time instead of poor Sheeta having this match. And I like Abaddon. Abaddon is like something you don't ever see on TV a lot. And I'd love to see her be used more. But I just wish it was a more serious match because you get your AEW Women's World Champion in it. Yeah, I mean, she's just coming back from an injury, you know, and it, you know, if that's what you wanted to wait for to bring her back around this time, that's great. But like, use her like she she's been putting in a lot of work she was like I, i'm a member in the AEW heels and she was just on there talking about like how she's been you know working with like Dustin Rhodes and stuff like I'd, I'd love to see her on a more consistent basis to see you know how much how much progress she's made true like she's back in better shape than she has ever been you can tell like if you see out from the early days of AEW to now it's a world difference i mean like she is in shape she's just as good in the ring as she was. And I feel like there's a place for a character like Abaddon on professional wrestling. I mean, like, you need a kind of scary, kind of creepy character for professional wrestling. Yeah, plus she seems to, like, kind of, like, be, like, evolving a little bit. Like, she seemed to be talking outside the ring, which is something you haven't really seen Abaddon do before. 
and I absolutely would have been fine with them coming out in the costumes and just having, but just having a straightforward match. Like there was no, like, I don't know, like I said, the decorations don't really do anything. It, it, being a street fight doesn't really do anything. Like it's Halloween. I get it. Having the spawn in the, in the President um, Evil like costumes would have been great for that. I think the thing that broke the back for me in this match was the candy on the ground and they suplex into the candy. Like that was supposed to be something deadly. I was thinking it was going to be Legos. I honestly thought it was going to be Legos. The crowd audibly booed when when they dumped out candy. Yeah, I mean, like, tell me Shibani on the commentary when, like, I guess a lot of people thought it was supposed to be tax, but this time it's candy. <laughs> yeah. So let's move over to stunning question number three. I'm going back to you and to see how we have it because we saw the debut of Alexis King, the former Brian Pillman Jr. and Ashley. I will argue, just his answers alone was more thought they put into this guy than AEW ever did in three years. I mean, he looks good. The only thing that they need to work on is not him. It's this, the commentary. Because they kind of seem like, oh, he's Brian Pillman's son, but he's not going to be, like, I don't know. They seem to want to use the legacy, but want to separate him as far as possible from the legacy. Like, you kind of have to pick one. If you want him to be his own dude, like, that's great. Because he's got his, like, I saw, you know, like the entrance looks great. Like he's got something in ring. So focus on him and who he is and what he's doing now. And kind of, you don't have to keep bringing up Brian Pillman if we want to separate him. Okay. So I agree with you, Ashley. Lexus King himself, he has his all nailed down. I mean, like his look, what he does in the ring, his attitude, his belief that he wants to break away from the legacy that he has. They need to settle down with like McKinney Mitchell. And let him just have like a five minute interview segment where he just puts all the past in the past and they never mention Brian Pillman ever again with this guy. And they just treat him at his own person. Yeah, that would be good. Like like having him do a segment where he can like acknowledge it and move past it. And that way, like it's out there. Everybody knows, but we don't have to keep because it seems a little confusing only because they they seem to want to be like. Yeah, he's Brian Pillman's son, but he he's not really, like, he doesn't care, you know? Like, why wouldn't he care? Like, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be weird like that. Like, I, you can acknowledge it, but, like, be like, he's carving his own path. I mean, they then the BS where he basically literally said, like, he told a story about how all these older wrestlers would come up to him and, like, oh, we remember your dad. Your dad was so good. And he goes, like, I only had him around for four years, and he wasn't always around. I don't really remember this guy. So... He really did a good job in breaking away from the legacy angle to this and turning his own path. And to me, I feel like he's going to be a main eventer in NST. Yeah, I could see them definitely working working with him and pushing him that far. Standing question number four. Should AEW be worried about the drop in ratings during last week's episode of Dynamite? In the first two segments, they were at 900,000. And as soon as MGF disappeared off the screen... So did about 200,000 viewers. I think only if it continues to be a pattern. I think so, too. I mean, like, that first 30 minutes had a lot going on. You had MJF in a match. You had MJF with a promo. And then it's like, he has about four different challengers for his AEW World title. Yeah. No, it, it makes the title feel, like, important, as it should. So, well, I, I like this. And I, I MJF is... Certainly, like the busiest man in professional wrestling right now. Personally, I just feel like maybe it's just a blip on the radar. And like you said, if this is a continuing habit, maybe AEW can learn to spread this out just a little bit more. 
And that way they can just gradually lose that curb and get down to 700, 800 pounds of body in the show instead of having that nice little peak at the beginning and it falls off like the um, cliffhanger, <laughs> cliffhanger game where the guy goes <laughs> over the cliff. That's basically how that rating went on Tuesday night. Yeah. I think that's, I would say like 750 to like 900 has been kind of like the range. Like I said, I would only worry if it continues to be a pattern, but they certainly could do some things to help. True. Personally, I feel like 750,000 is their baseline. This is like their team AEW viewers. These are the people who would tune in any Wednesday. Why would they put AEW Dynamite on? They would be like, I want to take this two hours. I want to watch my AEW TV and I want to support my professional wrestling company. Yeah, I would agree. With if you drop below 750,000, that's when I'd be hitting that red button going panic because then you're really going below where your baseline is. Exactly. Okay, standing question number five. Do you think Endeavor is going to fan out the roster of WWE? It's been reported that a lot of contracts are coming up start of 2024 and during 2024 for talent in the WWE, and Endeavor hasn't started negotiating with anybody. Oh, it's certainly a possibility. New people in charge are always going to have new visions for what they see and what they want for the future. I'm not sure. It's not It's not anything for certain, but I, I would say it's definitely a possibility. Well, they just took over this company officially back in September. I could see them just holding off for a minute. This is get the lay of the land to see exactly who they want and how much they want to spend on the person. Because, you know, with Vincent Man and the WWE, they saw AEW as competition, so they were willing to spend a little bit extra more to bring people in, even though they didn't want to use them for TV. They just wanted them away from AEW. So they're like, hey, let's sign you up for five years for S amount of money. It's okay. We got it. We're the WWE. Now, Endeavor, or merged with the WWE, they're looking to turn a profit here with this new acquisition they have. So they might not be willing to go, New Day, you know, you're at S amount of dollars per year. You've been here for a while. Here's the new contract. It may not be Buku Bunny. It could be a little bit lesser for New Day. Or like Drew McIntyre. Like, hey, Drew, you had a solid run here for the last six years or so, but we don't see you being a certain level for the next couple of years. So here's your new contract. It might be lower, too. Yeah, that could be a possibility, too. I mean, I would certainly not hope that for anybody. I would hope they would be getting paid exactly what they're worth and, and as much as they can get. Like I said, though, it's tough to say when, when new people take over, like you said, that that them taking over and trying to get like a lay of the land is probably like a good shout because I could see them definitely coming in and seeing who who's bringing in the merch, who's, who's selling tickets and, and kind of working with those statistics. Well, you know, we can rest assured that LA night, he's already been one of the few people they have reside. So LA night's going to be there for a while. So yeah. <laughs> Here's to hoping that maybe, maybe we can pull the upset then at Crown Jewel. Ashley, sixth and final stunning question of the week. Back on Wednesday night, Tony Khan had a present for Sting. It wasn't like a contract like I thought last week. It wasn't like a go watch. It was a Nature Boy Rip Flair. It's certainly a surprise. <laughs> I did not see anybody call that one, so I think that was a, a pretty good surprise, I would say. Uh, Sting seemed to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, like, Sting was surprised, and I was happy for the two friends to share a moment on national TV. And I know there's a lot of baggage with Ric Flair. I understand it. 
most of us who listen to this podcast has already seen the dark side of the ring and the episode the plane live for hell so we know a lot of things about rip fire personal life where it's not rosy whatsoever see this is where it gets me because i'm growing up in wcw country and i've seen sting versus rip flair since i was nine years old so there's a wrestling side of me who on wednesday night with south flair sting in the ring with cool it's rip flair's thing yeah okay fine then there's the other side who now knows a lot more information and you're just going like tony why i think that's kind of like the biggest point yeah um we know rick's history i feel like there's been a lot of talk for a while about him coming in but still him showing up was still a surprise i'm just hoping it's not to do anything wrestling wise only because he has again talked about wrestling and we only because we saw the rick flair's last match and it was it's like very scary yes i do not want to see rick flair anywhere near a wrestling ring in late 2023 or 2024 because I did see his quote-unquote last match. And like <laughs> a lot of people, I was watching it with my fingers crossed, going like, please just make it through this match. Be happy. Let's send you off into the sunset. You're the next world Ric Flair. You have a catalog of five-star matches that I can go back and watch on the WWE Network or Peacock. I don't need to see you wrestling anymore, Mr. Flair. Just enjoy your retirement. Come back, cut a couple promos, do a woo, do a chop, but not anything else, please. Thank you. Yeah, I would agree. I also kind of wonder if maybe he does something with Andrade. Andrade seems to be out with LFI, so maybe that was like another reason for bringing him in. Yeah, I can see that. And we're still trying to figure out who Sting's last opponent's going to be. Could it be Andrade? And just like 99 other times in Sting's career, well, his best friend, Ric Flair, just turn him one more time. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see it happening. And who who knew we would need Andrade versus Sting? But holy crap, Andrade versus Sting could actually be very great. Okay, you know what? Let's talk about this for a second here. Okay, so when we figured out last week that Sting was going to have a retirement match at Revolution, we started throwing around names that people who might be the person to do this match. Now, since we know that Flair's in AEW, Andrade's on top of my list now. I feel like this is a way to kick Andrade into the next level. Andrade retiring Sting would be nuts. <laughs> you want to make a new major heel? There you go. Andrade retires Sting. He brags about it with his father-in-law, Ric Flair. And we're off to the races. And we have Darby versus Andrade. Yeah, I I would definitely love that. They had a, a, We got a little, little bit of taste of that. Uh, like last year i think it was and uh i really enjoyed the triple threat they had with sammy so seeing them go back and forth a couple of matches one-on-one -on -one would be great yes i agree now if i was tony i would tone down this oh i gotta get i got a major announcement yes riffler is a major get for AEW. even at his age now he's still a major get but i would have chose my words just a little bit better when i said gift his thing Classic Tony Khan overreach with the, <laughs> with the major announcement. <laughs> you know? And it brings me to probably why they lost 200,000 viewers. Because if you look at that episode of Dynamite, the average age of the people in the ring has gotten older and older, especially in that episode. Yeah, kind of agreed. 
And honestly, what made AEW so cool to begin was a lot of unknown fresh talent that we haven't seen on the national scene. And that's what drove us to AEW. It's like the Darby Allens. It's like, keep saving. Keep saving. There's a perfect example for you. The dude is special. He's a special talent. He should have more TV time. Yes. But wrapping this back around to where we're talking about what are they mean for AEW. I do believe everybody deserves a second chance. And I know Flair has had numerous chances with WWE over the years. If Tony's okay with it, and I feel like he would have to be okay to sign off on this to bring him into his company, who am I to say no? Like, I mean, you're going to take a little bit of heat because we know about his personal life. But as a wrestling fan, I lo- would love to see Flair go out his own terms. And if that means with him and Sting one last time, and... Flair is mentioning the person that's going to retire Sting. I'm here for it. Sign me up. Quite frankly, if it's what Sting wants, I'm willing to. If Sting is like cool with it and he wants Flair to be with him for the last time. Yeah. To go out exactly how he wants to. go. True. I think Sting has earned a right, especially with all the great matches he's had in AEW, to dictate how he leaves the company. Absolutely. But, you know, it was kind of cool to see both of those guys in the ring on Turner TV in 2023, especially since I remember 2001, the last match for Nitro, where they were the last two guys in the ring for WCW. And in there with Tony Schiavone. <laughs> I know, it's just bringing back flashbacks of good old times. Giving us all that nostalgia over the past few weeks. We had like RVD last week, we got Ric Flair this week. I think we're good for nostalgia now. I just hope coming into the new year, AEW focuses more on their young and growing talent. Same. And that's going to end our study six questions this week for Radio Free Professional Wrestling. We're moving over to mine and Ashley's favorite segment of the week. It's our top five matches of the week. It's Sean and Ashley's top five matches of the week. As they count down their five favorite matches from the past week, did your favorite match make the cut? And I get a feeling there's going to be a couple of copies here if I'm Get my feelings right here, Ashley. But do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. It's my number five, which was actually kind of a surprise because I don't even think it was like announced until a little beforehand. Shouldn't be surprised by the quality. Uh, Jay White and A.R. Fox from Collision. I did not expect that. And that turned out to be fantastic. You know, that was one great episode of Collision. And I was surprised, like you, I was like, okay, here comes Jay White out. His normal Saturday match. Who is it going to be? A.R. Fox? Last time we saw Air Fox, wasn't he getting kicked out of the Scourge crew? Yeah, I think so. But like you said, it was a fun, entertaining match. And I'd like to see a babyface AR Fox. Yeah, I mean, he certainly has some stuff. He could certainly kind of go after the, the embassy. He could he could kind of try to prove himself with Darby again. You got a couple of things to do with him. Uh, it was a fantastic showing for him. I think him and Jay killed it. They had the crowd like going nuts. True. So my number five match of the week, I got a 5A and a 5B. So my 5B of the week, and I know I'm breaking my own rules by having six matches in the top five, but sue me. Okay, it's okay. I'm saying on Collision, it's the Gun Brothers versus the Tate Twins. And it's just for the simple fact that the Tate Twins are from Knoxville. I met these guys a few years ago. They're great guys. And I'm just happy to see these guys get a national platform. They've been working with Dalton Castle for years now as the boys. They have a lot of time in ROH, and I was so shocked to see them on Collision. I had to go back and rewind to watch it. 
And I'm like, those are my guys on Collision. Hell yeah. Or Dalton Castle and the boys on Collision on AEW television, just on television in general. Please. It's one of the most entertaining men in wrestling. And yeah, I know the guns won the match. That's cool. Now, Jeez Robinson, if you ever throw one of my boys over the top rope like you did, we're going to have some words. I need like a Juice Robinson Dalton Castle feud. Come on. Come on, Tony. Well, I got a bone with Dalton Castle too. Like, Dalton, do you look down the ring and see the fact that Juice Robinson was down there? Jenny, come out with your guys. True. Okay, so 5A. I'm going back to Halloween Habit. It's the main event. It's Lyra Vicuria versus Becky Lynch for the NFC Women's Championship. And I'm so happy for Lyra Vicuria to have this victory. It was a great match. I know some people kind of poo poo on the finish. But she countered the bait slam into a cradle. It's a smart wrestling move. It is. <laughs> Sometimes people just want something so definitive, but like it's meant to be like a sporting thing. And in, the, in a sporting thing, you would take any opportunity you could, which would be a roll up, a cradle, or something. I think her beating her beating Becky and winning the title is that's the key. That's the that's the point you're supposed to take away from this. <laughs> They wrestled like 15 to 20 minutes, and it was a competitive match. And a lot of Victoria kicked out of a manhandle slam. I mean, like, Becky Lynch put this lady over like a million dollars, and, and now we have a babyface champion that you can feud with some of these heels on NXT. And what an accolade to have to, you know, to have claim to, to beat Becky Lynch for the title. Exactly. So what's your number four match of the week? All right, so number four, I'm going with, with their boys that I feel should have had a, a better... Maybe a better position than where the match was. But Santana and Ortiz in their in their grudge match on, on on Rampage this week. No entrances, kind of just right into it. I I would have appreciated it having a bigger stage. I understand trying to bring eyes to Rampage with something like this, but also uh, it's just kind of a catch twenty two, I guess. But super fun, brutal. I was a little confused by Santana trying to shake hands at the end after uh the uh trash talking he was doing over the past few weeks but on development too with uh sanjay duck coming out and grabbing ortiz you know i'm with you this is my number four match for the week as well and just like you i wish this was the main event red base just like omega and mjf deserve 30 minutes at the end of collision these two guys deserve 20 minutes at an inner rampage leave two matches off of that card let them have 20 minutes let it be a blood feud like it should be and it was a entertaining, hard-hitting grudge match for about 12 minutes. In front of it was in Fisher and Fisher. And I was pulling my hair out going like, guys, this should be the main event of Rampage. Absolutely. I think that's kind of more of my gripe with it being on Rampage. If you want to do these big matches on Rampage, that's fine. But you have to be willing to sometimes change the format of Rampage. You can't just stick to this three-match quota because it's not really fair to anybody when you're trying to have of these big matches it wasn't really necessary to have three matches and you could have easily cut it down to two matches with i mean you had the the big uh you know the promo package with kenny kenny and mjf you had a couple of other things you could have just done two 20 minute matches surrounded by you know any segments and commercial breaks or whatever exactly i would have had the four way for the number one contendership so we could have got avadon versus Sheeta. then i would have had the main event be santana versus ortiz and you sprinkle in the video packages. Done. Right. And then it's, it, I think that would make it also feel a little more meaningful. That's the kind of dilemma with Rampage is that it, it's not necessarily booked to be must-see every week. 
with an already kind of terrible time slot and everything. And when they do book it like this, it doesn't seem to keep going after this. We kind of seem to kind of go back to just booking some random stuff here and there or people you don't necessarily see all the time. Like this rampage I actually thought was fantastic. True. I just wish they were rearranged this a little bit better. So yeah. let's let's go ahead and let's move to your number three match of the week. We were just talking about Rampage, and honestly, the match we would have left off it made my list because Kyle Fletcher and Kodosuke Takeshita had a hell of a match. You know, these are two rising talents in AEW. Now, my only concern about this is at the end of this, we saw Kyle Fletcher walk away with Don Callis. I was kind of digging the baby face Kyle Fletcher. I get a feeling that Don Callis has found another member for his family. It could be. It seems like this was kind of like the reaction he seemed to want to get out of Fletcher. Um, and like you said, these are just two young studs who went out there and absolutely killed it. I'm very curious as to how long Davis will be out because I'm not sure where that would leave Davis if Kyle Fletcher does join Don Callis. That's a good question. We'll have to figure that out down the road. But right now, I'm digging Kyle Fletcher. Even if he joins the Don Callis family, I feel like, you know, you can pair him with Kinkesha or you can pair him with Sammy Guevara to have a tag team. So, like, yes, please. Yeah, I think Sammy Guevara, I think, would be interesting because I think he kind of needs, like, something a little more centered. I think Kanosuke Takeshita is going to be... Uh, he's going to have something going. I think kind of Sammy's a little a little floaty right now, kind of not really doing much of anything. Okay, so as we're talking about the Don Callis family, to me, Katesha is like his heavy hitter. He is like the main event guy for the crew. Yeah. Behind that, the number two person is going to be Powerhouse Hobbs because we saw him watching the match with MJF and Omega that are handing out Will Hobbs getting up to the main event level, which I'm kind of happy about. So that leaves Sammy kind of like in tag team level and you need somebody here's Kyle Fisher and my number three match of the week is a makeshift tag team it's the match of Orange Cassidy with his tag team partner Izuka Okada versus Claudio Casanelli and Brian Danson and this match was everything I wanted to have except for one Brian Danson injury at the end yeah actually that's a, that's a, my number two everything you wanted to be. It was. It was fantastic. Four of just wrestling's best today. It was. And it was everything. I mean, I know a lot of people go and say, like, they needed to do a video package for Okada because a lot of non diehard wrestling fans don't know who Okada is. I can agree with them. They should have done maybe a little hype package for Okada before this match. But if you're hanging out with a non wrestling fan, you should go, like, hey, sit down here for a minute. Look at this guy. His name's Okada. And this is what he can do. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I, I see. It. I understand what they mean when they say that. I think having him come in in his first match on on AWTV being paired with OC was a a good call, though. You know, OC obviously being so popular here and then being stable mate technically in chaos and everything. Just not the AEW way. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it would be very cool though to see them do something like that, especially like with somebody as special as Okada. True. Okay, so my number two match of the week came from New Japan Strong Spirit Unleashed that was on Saturday night, and I'm going to the women's title match. It's Haida versus Julia. This is the first time I got to see Julia wrestle a full match live, and she looks like a rock star. She looks like WWE ready. If I was New Japan slash stardom, I would back up the money truck and go like, 
What do you want? We're going to keep you here. You're going to be the star of this company. And Haida, this is her debut for NJP Strong. And she looks like a million bucks. And the event they cut with her before the match where she's at the poker table talking about the match and saying, you know, Julia is really, really good, but she's about to run out of luck as she's flipping over the cards and Haida had a pair of aces on the table as they're playing five-card stud. I thought this was a fine introduction of Haida into this new company. And I want to see both of these ladies a little bit more now. Awesome. I hear nothing but fantastic things about Julia. And, and anything I've seen her in, she has looked absolutely phenomenal. So, like, she wrestling is no joke. Well, you know, this match made me a believer in two people. And those two ladies got a new fan in me. So, what is your number one match of the week? If I don't know what your number one match of the week is. <laughs> I don't think there's any surprises. Collision again. Kenny Omega, MJF, even on the the short t- the short notice, what a match! Both guys are just just two of the best you can ask for in ring right now. I agree with you. It was thirty minutes of fun professional wrestling, and they got me. I thought maybe just maybe Omega wins the title off of MJF here on this Ramblin' Saturday night in in October, and we get Omega versus Jay White at the pay per view. That would be kind of interesting. I would have been okay with it. But at the end of the day, we get babyface MJF overcoming Omega and earning Omega's respect. Yeah, they seem to have, um, they shook hands and like hugged and I saw like the post-match like talking. In, in, in my opinion, just just fantastic. From from start to end, they they killed it. MJF just continuing this storyline with with everybody is fantastic. All his like little threads he's got going. Kenny Omega, I think, and Jay White will be entangled. I think I don't know. I don't think Jay White. I don't think I'm going to pick him to win. I think MJF's going to keep the belt, but I think post that we're going to get some Jay White and Kenny Omega. I can see that. I'm still holding out hope that our boy Jay White might just beat MJF, maybe, but. I still got a week and a half to think about that. We'll get back to that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to kind of just see where, where the next collision goes. So, yes, my number one, number one match of the week is also MJF versus Kenny Omega. It may be TV match of the year if I had to pick a TV match of the year. It was a perfect ending to collision. And for everybody who was complaining about this only like a week and a half build, that match made up for it. It was freaking awesome. And that ends our top five matches of the week. We're heading to our main event as we're going to break down Crown Jewel coming up this Saturday. Festival start time at 1 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you get your lunch ready. Sit down for some professional wrestling on a Saturday afternoon. I do like these one o'clock stars. Let me tell you. What's on tap? Ashley and Sean give you their choices for what you can't miss this coming week in pro wrestling action. Let's start at the match that we're all thinking about. Roman Reigns versus L.A. Knight. Ashley, I want you to sell me on the chance that L.A. Knight might take this title off of Roman Reigns. Somebody's going to eventually, right? <laughs> See, I'm with you. There's rumors that Roman is not going to be at Survivor Series. Why not just go ahead and take the title off of him now and let Roman have a work for the Rumble to get back to L.A. Knight? Yeah, I mean, they they seem to build everybody up to this level and then kind of just shy and then they off to something else. It, build this guy. Do this. like. Give this, give him the shock win and like build off of that. 
the momentum he could take from beating Roman Reigns after all these years as champion now, like, would be insane. True. Now, everybody and the brothers are thinking, okay, we see the finish of this match coming a mile away. LA Knight's going to be near the end. He's going to be oh so close to this victory. Here comes Jimmy Uso out. Here comes Sosa Cole out. It's bloodline interference. One, two, three. Still your champion. Your tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Rinse and repeat. (laughs) Kind of seems like the way it might go, but somebody's got to do it. And I, we need, we need big title changes at some of these shows. Ooh, you say big title changes. So let's go to the next match we're going to talk about. It's for the World Heavyweight Championship. Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre. I got a feeling that Drew might just win this and this basically starts his heel run as a champion. I'd like to see that, honestly. And, you know, I really enjoy this character that Drew McIntyre is doing right now because, really, he's a, a heel, yes, but he's so justified in his actions where you go, like, the guy's right. I mean, like, he shouldn't get involved with everybody else's problems. I mean, like, where's all the other people when he needed help? Right. That would be a nice kind of dynamic from the last time he was champion. You know, this guy deserves a title run with with the crowd because this gentleman was a champion during the COVID era. I remember him winning that title in the performance center with only the camera people in attendance, and I felt bad for him. And a year later, when they had WrestleMania back in Tampa with a limited crowd, yes, he got to bring the title down to the ring, but he didn't win the match. Right. So I'm pulling for Drew McIntyre to beat Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins would be perfectly fine without the title belt. Seth Rollins got to the point where he's such a star, he doesn't need a title. I agree. I agree. I think he kind of is bigger than a belt now. Okay, so we're going to slide down to the Fatal Five Way for the Women's World Championship. We got Rita Ripley, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Raquel Rodriguez, and Zoe Stark. There's no way they're taking this title off of Mommy, right? I don't think so. I think it's a, a good way to maybe get her into something with somebody post this match, but kind of with those names, I, I suspect she'll, she'll be going over. Well, I got to thinking that since um, Becky Lynch just lost her NST with his title this past Tuesday, I feel like we're going down that road for the start to WrestleMania season where it's going to be Rhea Ripley versus Becky Lynch for the title, and that's going to be your main raw feud on the women's side. And hey, I'm here for it. Yeah. Okay, our next match on the card. In a way, it's a match where I think a lot of good can come out of it if one thing would happen. It's John Cena versus Solo Sokoa. And I need this match to be like Brock Lesnar versus John Cena, where Solo Sokoa is Brock Lesnar. And he just lays waste to Mr. Hustle, loyalty, and respect. Yeah, I think so too. I guess maybe it depends on what you do with, with Roman in the title, but... If you want to keep presenting him as this this young kind of like killer, you know, you have to you have to have him take out this 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 legend, John Cena, you know. Well, we've been talking about ways to elevate talent and just like whoever beats Sting in his last match. John Cena doesn't need his win. And yes, I know he hasn't won a match since 2018, a singles match since 2018. But giving this win to Solo Sokoa is going to do a lot of wonders for this guy. Absolutely. Okay, we're going down to the next match, and we're talking about the WWE Women's Championship. It's Eel Sky versus Bianca Belair. Okay, I'm the, probably one of the biggest Belair fans. I kind of want to see Eel lose his title just yet. 
No, I think she should hang on to it for a little while longer. These are two of, I think, WWE's top women. I think Bianca has kind of already had a, a decent run as champion, and I think I think they could stand to let Io hang on to it for a while longer. Well, you know, we've seen a good, long Bel Air babyface championship run. It was great. She just got back from some time off, and you know, her husband is hanging out with Bobby Lashley, and they're on the hillside now. That group needs Bel Air to turn heel and join them, and that would be my new replacement for whenever you put the bloodline to bed because eventually this bloodline story has to come to an end and there's your new faction for you yeah no definitely that could definitely work okay so we're down to the u.s championship match it's ray mysterio versus everybody's favorite special guest wrestler in logan paul ashley can you sell me on ray mysterio walking away from saudi arabia with still his united states title weapon uh <laughs> I hope he keeps it. <laughs> See, since this is a United States title match, I got a sneaky feeling that WWE might put this title onto Logan Paul just for a little bit so they can get all the Instagram followers to see, ooh, Logan Paul has the U.S. title. And he can take it onto his podcast and have the title belt on his podcast. And down the road, maybe it's Santo Escobar who gets the title off of Logan Paul or another baby face. But I do feel like Ray is going into this match to lose this match to Logan Paul, and I feel like it's going to be entertaining because Ray's there to lead him through the match. Yeah, like like we we talked about, he has done incredibly well for somebody who who has not wrestled until until it worked, like the recently. So you can't go wrong with somebody Ray Mysterio leading the match, and I definitely could see them capitalizing on on Logan Paul's uh, like you know social media presence and popularity see that's why i agree with you actually and that's why i'm making this argument because it's not the world title if this was the world title like he had that match with roman reigns i'll be like no logan Paul doesn't need to have that title belt but this is the united states championship level it's a title that really isn't pushed on wwe tv so why not let's just go ahead and have a run with it that's okay yeah and maybe maybe something happens throughout the match that you know kind of sets off something you know maybe like there's a a, a turn or something that, that kind of spices things up and gets people interested you know as to where like uh, logan paul's gonna go with the title if he does win well our last match we got to talk about is damian priest versus cody rose and i got a feeling if you're going to keep damian priest where he is mr money in the bank and you know what he still has that contract he may walk away from saudi arabia with a title belt of his own very much a possibility Still hanging on to that, so I mean that's okay. a big uh, a big uh, venue to, to cash it in at. Okay, so with that being said, I feel like Cody's going to win this match. It's going to be a fun match. It might be the opener, and it doesn't do any harm to Damian Priest to lose this match if he's come back later in the night to cash in on Seth Rollins. Yeah, that could work, especially like you said. Yeah, if he takes a big loss to kind of cash in, win, get a big win back, right back. I could see them doing that. But I'm here for this Damian Priest Hill character, and I feel like I know they're pushing Rhea Ripley to be the leader of Judgment Day, and that's a fun choice to have because you don't normally see a female in the leadership position of any faction in professional wrestling. And, I mean, like, she deserves to be the leader of Judgment Day. I feel like she's the one that is the biggest star out of that group. Agreed. And they could use more gold. True, true, true. Now, that brings our Crown Jewel preview to the end here on Ray Free Professional Wrestling. 
Ashley, before we go, where can we find you during the week to read your amazing wrestling takes? I am on Twitter. It's at groovy underscore ash underscore. And you can always follow the show at Radio Free PW on Twitter, Instagram, and you can always visit our website at www.radiofreepw.com to catch up on the previous episodes. And before I go, a little special announcement. Since Tuesday is going to be Halloween, if you're out and about listening to the podcast, just take it a little bit slower. Keep your eyes out for all the ghouls and goblins as they collect candy during the evening. As always, remember, this is our groovy and stunning era. Guns up. Guns up. Christina here. On behalf of the guys, thanks for listening. Like the show? Do us a favor and share it with a friend. Have a stunning question? Email it to the show at RadioFreeProWrestling at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Radio Free Pro Wrestling. Stay stunningly.